You're listening to Comedy Central. May 23rd, 2019. From Comedy Central's World News Headquarters in New York, this is The Daily Show with Trevor Noah, Ears Edition. He's now wrapping up season two of his hit HBO show. Wyatt Cenac is joining us, everybody. Also on tonight's show, will Ben Carson lose his job? The Queen of England goes shopping, and Donald Trump wants us to know he's totally cool. So let's catch up on today's headlines. Let's begin in not-so-great Britain. Today, it was reported that Prime Minister Theresa May is planning to resign over her failure to negotiate a Brexit deal. And since the chaos of Brexit could collapse Britain's economy, British people are preparing for the worst. Stockpiling food, going to supermarkets and getting whatever they want and can, which means supermarkets are seeing some unlikely shoppers. A British supermarket received a royal visit. Queen Elizabeth stopped by a pop-up grocery store in England. The visit included a stop at the self-service checkout area. The 93-year-old monarch was intrigued with the technology. She asked staffers whether customers could cheat the system and leave without paying. (laughs) Oh, man, that is so priceless. Even the Queen's first reaction to self-checkout is, wait, so I can just steal this shit? Is that what you're saying? Actually, I would love to see the queen steal groceries, right? No, because only the queen can steal for the country. Yeah, she could just be like, I claim these Cheetos for Britain. Yum, 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 yum. Please feed the queen. And by the way, not to rub it in, not to rub it in, but this really shows how far Britain has fallen, right? I mean, the queen started her reign with trips to the corners of her empire and now it's ending with trips to the grocery store. (laughs) Yeah, by the time William is king, he's gonna be making royal visits to the end of his driveway. Just (laughs) everything the light touches is my kingdom up to this mailbox. That's where it is. (laughs) Moving on. I've got some bad news for men. Another trick in upholding the patriarchy has been exposed. There's a shift in the debate over the right temperature for office thermostats. We know most women like it warmer and most men want it colder. So it turns out that there is science to back it up. A new study indicates men's brains work better when it's colder and women do better when it's warm. Yes, yes, it turns out one of the reasons men and women fights about temperature in the office is because it affects our brains in different ways. Yeah, when it's hot, women's brains work better because they're not losing energy shivering. And then when it's cold, (laughs) men's brains work better because our penis shuts down. (laughs) Yeah, just just calm down. When it's hot, the penis is like, what we doing, what we doing, what we doing? (laughs) And then it gets cold, penis is like, I'm out. (laughs) But I do understand, this is a tough situation, right? Because men need cold air, but then women need warm air. We all work in the same place, so we gotta compromise. This is what I think, one week, the office temperature should be set to cold, and then women can wear a sweater, 
And then the next week, you just set the temperature super high and men can wear a business Speedo. It'll work for everyone. <laughs> yeah. It, it, it's actually funny because in South Africa, we have a similar issue, but it's slightly different, right? That's more around race. Like, black people always thought that the thermostat was too cold and white people thought that black people were inferior. All right. <laughs> Finally. <laughs> you guys didn't see that coming, did you? <laughs> And finally, here's a story out of Connecticut that makes me think we have finally reached peak millennial. A man wanted in Connecticut for a failure to appear in court reached an unusual deal with police. His name is Jose Sims. He told police he'd turn himself in only if his wanted poster gets 15,000 likes on the department's Facebook page. Police say 29-year-old Jose Sims sent a private message to the Torrington Police Department offering to turn himself in if his wanted poster got 20,000 likes. Police negotiated him down to 15,000. Seriously, people? Is this the future of police negotiations? We're gonna be having, like, hostage situations where the cops are like, release the hostages! Be like, not until you like and subscribe to my YouTube channel! <laughs> okay, we can like your page, but we can't subscribe. We just don't have the resources. <laughs> and I know, I know Facebook likes as part of the criminal justice system seems ridiculous. It seems crazy. You're like, likes for criminals? But, but, but when you think about it, this isn't anything new. I mean, technically, a jury is just 12 people you're trying to get likes from. That's it. I didn't kill him. Like, like. <laughs> but regardless, regardless, this is just a stupid way to try and get famous. If you're a criminal who wants to go viral, forget about Facebook likes. Those don't, don't, they don't make you big. You don't need to go on social media, right? If you want to get famous, just abduct a child. Yeah. <laughs> no, think about it. Not everyone checks Facebook, but everyone gets an Amber Alert. <laughs> yeah. And that's Trevor Noah's advice of the day. That's it for the headlines. Let's move on to our top story. As we all know, a big part of Trump's presidency has been his beefs. He beefs with foreign leaders. He beefs with porn stars. He even beefs with Siri. Sorry, Donald, I didn't get that. You never get me, Siri. <laughs> You're just like the rest of them. <laughs> so who's the president beefing with now? Well, let's find out in another installment of Donald J. Trump, Commander in Beef. I'm gonna hit them back. And if I give them a whack, you think I can take this guy and knock the crap out of him, would you? Like to punch him in the face. Yesterday, President Trump had a meeting with Democratic leaders Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi, or as they're known in the streets, Shum Dog and Nancy Pelosi. <laughs> now, this meeting was supposed to be about rebuilding America's infrastructure, you know, roads, tunnels, airports, etc. But instead of building bridges in this meeting, Trump decided to burn them down. After walking in, not shaking a single hand, not even sitting down, President Trump lashed out at the Democratic leaders before marching out. That contentious cabinet room meeting lasted just three minutes. So I came here to do a meeting on infrastructure with Democrats. All of a sudden, I hear last night, they're gonna have a meeting right before this meeting to talk about the I word. The I word. Can you imagine? Instead of walking in happily into a meeting, I walk in to look at people that had just said that I was doing a cover-up. I don't do cover-ups. I don't do cover-ups, folks. I don't do, I don't do cover-ups. I don't do pull-ups, I don't do push-ups. <laughs> I don't do 
sit-ups, no ups, only downs. Shutdowns, meltdowns, and most important, letdowns. Sorry, Eric, I can't come to your birthday. You won't be seeing me there. I'm not coming, Eric. But Dad, you don't even know when my birthday is. Doesn't matter, I just know I'm busy that day. Now, there were no cameras rolling in the meeting. So the only information we have is what people have said. And by the sounds of it, it was tense. Democrats say they were stunned. And Pelosi, in a letter to House Democrats, called it a temper tantrum. To watch what happened in the White House would make your jaw drop. In any event, I pray for the President of the United States. And I pray for the United States of America. Ooh, I pray for the President? I feel like Nancy Pelosi's been spending a bunch of time with Maxine Waters because now every time she patronizes Trump, have you noticed she seems more and more like a black auntie? Have you felt that vibe? Yeah, because first she gave Trump the sideways clap. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And now she's praying for him. That's the blackest thing ever. It's just like, Lord, this crazy man needs Jesus. Mm-mm-mm. He needs Jesus. Needs Jesus. At the next State of the Union, Nancy's just gonna be fanning herself like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So according to Chuck and Nancy, Trump came into that meeting, completely acted the fool. But according to Trump's very calm Twitter rant this morning, he was very chilled for the whole three minutes, and then when he stormed out, it was in a relaxed and graceful fashion. Now, obviously, most people didn't believe Trump, right? So today, he interrupted a press conference with farmers to uh, basically ask his very objective employees to tell us all how zen he is. She, wa- she said I walked into the room right next door yesterday and walked in and started screaming and yelling, just the opposite. I walked out, I was so calm. Where is uh, Sarah, Kellyanne, where are you? Come here a minute, you were in that room. Kellyanne, what was my temperament yesterday? In the very room? calm, no temper tantrum. Mercedes, what was my attitude when I walked in? Did I ever scream? No, you were very calm and you were very direct. Sarah, uh, we're just talking about the meeting yesterday. Uh, You were there. What was my tone yesterday at the meeting? Very calm and straightforward. (laughs) Man, you know what? Say what you want about Trump, but he is truly the king of political theater, right? (laughs) No, because, like, I love how he makes it seem like the questions weren't pre-planned. He's just like, oh, Sarah, fancy seeing you here, yeah? (laughs) While I have you, how do you think that I was in the meeting yesterday, yeah? <laughs> it's so planned and everyone, like, people are part of it. You know what, this is the kind of shit that you'll see in Africa all the time. Like, some dictator will be accused of war crimes and then he'll bring his own soldiers out as his defense. You know, be like, ah, Jimbo, the United Nations have said I'm beating the villagers. Is this true? <laughs> be like, no, sir, you are always kind and very sweet. <laughs> yes, indeed. And, uh, Toto, Have you seen me beat anybody? (laughs) No, Commander, you could not even beat a fly. (laughs) Huh? Whoa, 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 whoa. What do you mean I could not beat a fly? Are you saying I'm weak? I will beat you like I beat those villagers, huh? (laughs) So, (laughs) so the Democrats, the Democrats say that Trump acted crazy, but Trump says that he's super chill. And I'll be honest with you, as long as this cloud of impeachment continues to hang over the president, this beef is going to continue and it's gonna continue to derail infrastructure and any other issue that needs bipartisan support. So, uh, Nancy, I hope you've prepared your Sunday best because you're gonna be praying for a long ass time. (laughs) We'll be right back. 
to The Daily Show. Let's talk about Ben Carson, the Secretary of Housing and Urban Development and willing resident of the sunken place. <laughs> the man has had quite a journey, from growing up as a poor child in Detroit to becoming a world-renowned brain surgeon. You know, he went from being a presidential candidate to the breakout star of the movie Zootopia. <laughs> Fun fact, they actually had to speed him up to play the sloth. <laughs> but since our sleepy friend was put in charge of America's housing and urban development, he's kind of dropped off the radar. That is until this week, when he struggled to answer a very simple question. Ben Carson has been accused of being not qualified to lead the Department of Housing and Urban Development. He didn't help his cause. He confused a real estate term with a cookie. I'd also like you to get back to me, if you don't mind, to explain the disparity in REO rates. Do you know what an REO is? An Oreo? R, no, not an Oreo. An R-E-O, R-E-O. Real estate? What's the O stand for? E-organization. Owned, real estate owned. That's what happens when a property goes to foreclosure. We call it an REO. Okay. <laughs> okay, that was bad. It was bad. It really was bad. And you know what? I think it doesn't help that Ben Carson speaks the way that he does, you know? Because he always sounds like someone shot him with a tranquilizer dart <laughs> and he's about to pass out. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, that's him. Like, he's just, like, sitting there the whole time and he's just, like, and he's like, uh... Uh, can't believe you shot me <laughs> with a tranquilizer dart in my neck <laughs> area. With, like, God damn, why isn't this working? Why isn't he going down? You cannot tranquilize that which is already tranquil. <laughs> Now, here's, like, here's the thing. On its own, this would have just been a slip-up. He doesn't know an abbreviation. But this REO moment just added to the perception that Carson doesn't know how to do his job. Since he was appointed, there's been an increase in families living in squalor in subsidized housing, right? Over 1,000 HUD properties have failing grades, and he's delayed an anti-segregation initiative. Like, he's so bad for housing, even tornadoes are like, yo, dude, pace yourself. What's wrong with you? <laughs> so this week slip-up didn't help which is why Ben Carson went on Fox News to do some damage control. I would like to remind our viewers who may not know that Ben Carson was, before he went into politics, one of, if not the best, brain surgeon in the world. And they were talking down to him. Ben Carson himself is with us now. Would you respond to all of this, please, sir? Uh, yes, it was... First of all, it was... Uh, it was three and a half hours of testimony. <laughs> Oh, man. Come on, Dr. Carson. <laughs> like, like, Varney's introducing him, like, how dare they talk down to the most brilliant mind the world has ever seen. Secretary Carson, show them what a genius you are. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, um, yeah, uh, but, but I will, I will give Carson credit. He showed us this at the debates. And he showed it again yesterday. He might not have known what REOs were at the hearing on Tuesday, but by Wednesday, this guy was a certified REOlogist. Of course, I'm very familiar with uh, foreclosed properties and with uh, REOs, have read extensively about them. And uh, the, the REO portfolio, just over the last 10 years, has dramatically decreased by tenfold. Yeah. You know, 65,000 down to 6,500. 
Someone's been brushing up. Yeah. One day he didn't know it, the next day he knows everything. I bet after that hearing, Carson was up all night with these books like Rocky, just singing by himself like, da, 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 they're gonna know me, da, da, da. <laughs> so, now Ben Carson is back on everyone's radar, but he's not back in a good way. The question is, could this lead to him getting fired? Well, for more on this, we turn to someone who has been fired many times. Dulce Sloan, everyone! <laughs> say I've never been fired. I left Value City before they knew I was gone. Oh, well, Dulce, I'm not attacking you personally. I'm, I'm just saying you know what it's like out there in the real world. Like, what do you think will happen to Ben Carson? Oh, yeah. <laughs> he about to get fired. Yeah, 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 yeah. It looks like that because he doesn't know what he's doing. Nah, because he doesn't look like he knows what he's doing. It doesn't matter if you can do your job. It matters if you look like you can do your job. <laughs> you know how many jobs I've kept because I was bad at them? <laughs> Most of them. <laughs> but I knew how to fake it. <laughs> like, like, I, like when I was a lifeguard. Anytime somebody started drowning, I just blew my whistle. <laughs> I mean, they still drowned, but it sounded like I saved them. Technique in your office. If someone asks you for a report that you didn't do, you just say, oh, yeah, Karen's doing that. Every office has a Karen. <laughs> and if your boss finds out you're lying, you just say, mm, you perceptive as hell. That's why you the boss. I, okay, I, I don't know how effective any of this advice would be. Thank I mean, you. No, I, Thank I don't... You. I don't even know if that would help Carson because he's in trouble here. This seems to be bipartisan agreement that he is bad at his job. Like, if he's incompetent, shouldn't he just be fired? If he's incompetent, then he fits in perfectly. <laughs> How does that make him any different than the other cabinet members? <laughs> I mean, Betsy DeVos is in charge of education and her only qualification is a PhD in dumb blank stares. <laughs> All right, I, I get that, but let's focus on Carson. W like, when you looked at Ben Carson's hot agenda, for instance, like, the stats that I asked you to compile, what did you see? Oh, you know, Trevor, I was gonna look at the numbers, but Karen said she wanted to do it. <laughs> Karen, we don't... No, no, we don't, we don't have a Karen. You... See? Oh, shit, you lied to me. And see, that's why you're the boss. You're perceptive as hell. I am perceptive. I am perceptive. Give it up for Dulce Sloan, everybody! Super perceptive. I wanted to remind you, you can catch Dulce tomorrow on the new Comedy Central show, The New Negroes. It's gonna be with Baron Vaughn and Open Mike Eagle. Fridays at 11 p.m. Dulce Sloan, everybody, we'll be right back. <laughs> Welcome back to The Daily Show. My guest tonight is a former Daily Show correspondent, comedian, and writer whose HBO series now in second season, in its second season, is called Wyatt Cenac's Problem Areas. Please welcome Wyatt Cenac. <laughs> well,
Welcome to the show, my friend. Thank and, you very and much. And welcome back to The Daily Show, but to the show? Yeah, this yeah? is a totally different show. You yeah, have... this is like a, a new world. Is, is it weird for you? Because I've like changed everything in the build. Is it weird? Do you like not know where you're going and stuff? It is very strange. Yeah. It's, yeah, nothing looks familiar at all. You really did like a gut renovation in this place. <laughs> <laughs> like you, it was like you bought a Brooklyn brownstone and you were like, all right, I'm going to gentrify the shit out of this. Oh, man, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's great to have you back in the, in the, in the structure, at yes. least. Welcome yeah. back to the structure. And uh, congratulations on the second season of your show. Um, you know, a lot of people loved you on The Daily Show because they were like, oh, why it gets out there into the streets and he tackles, an, uh, an, uh, uh, um, you know, a subject. Yeah. But that was for like five minutes, three minutes at a time. Your show really stretches out a subject. You take your time with it. Why do you do it that way? I mean, like, John Oliver does it over a week. I'll do it in a day. You do it over a season. Why does it take that long? I mean, one, because I talk real slow. So (laughs) that's part of it. No, it felt like to spend a season on something was really interesting because, you know, with The Daily Show, we would do a story and then we're, you know, we were sort of at the mercy of the news cycle. Right, right, right. And so it, it felt like, okay, yeah, if you wanted to do an interesting story about education, and then all of a sudden it's like, oh, wait a minute, Donald Trump just took a shit on somebody's Mustang. We got to talk about that. And yep, it's like, yep. I remember that day. Yeah, no. <laughs> it's really weird that he did that, but also <laughs> that we weren't more outraged. I think we were tired that day, yeah. my friend. We were tired. Yeah. Um, I would love if that somehow, if people were like, just going and asking him now, like, we heard you took a <laughs> shit on a Mustang. And I feel like he's so arrogant, he'd be like, yeah, I did. Like, he's, like he just won't deny anything. Biggest dump ever. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you, you, you really go into a topic. Like, for instance, season one, I truly loved because you went into policing. And I remember, like, you, you tackled every single uh, piece of policing. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't just a simple subject. It was, like, from the police's perspe- perspective. It was from, you know, like, the, 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 the criminal's perspective, even, from kids who were in juvenile detention, et cetera. And that became the, the, the jumping-off point for education, which is season two. Right. Like, how do you jump from policing to education? I mean, I think so much of, you know, when you think about policing, so much of our approach to policing is that all of the societal cracks that exist then it's like, well, just send the cops at him. Right. And so when you think about, well, what's the foundation that could set people up in a better way, that could, you know, have impacts on people's ability to get jobs, on crime. Right, education right, right. is one of those things. If you give everyone access to quality education, we have enough data to say, oh, crime statistics go down, teen mm-hmm. pregnancies go down. Like, there's so many things that are impacted by that. Uh, and so it felt like, oh, okay, let's look at education because it really is this building block. And if a kid gets pushed out of high school at the age of 14, they are at a much higher probability of finding themselves headed off to a prison. Right. Right. And so it feels like, oh, yeah, let's look at education because that may be a way if you can get people to like buy into, right, we need equitable education for everybody. Uh, that may be, oh, thank you. Um, it's always fun when they clap like that as though I can like sign that into law. <laughs> like, you all, enough of you clapped and yes, now it's happening. You wake up tomorrow, everyone's gonna have an equitable education. <laughs> 
I can't do that. Stop it. No, it's not how it happens. It's by voting and going to school board meetings. The, uh, the, one, of, one of the most intriguing parts of, of the season that I watched was seeing how you were talking about education and the way we approach it uh, in the world, but, but specifically in America, and how you said you feel like it's ignored the way it is, predominantly because most teachers are women. It was an interesting, interesting, you know, journey to be on where you go, like, people are just like, oh, the teachers want more money again. Would, you know, it was like, these women want more right. money. But it really did start to feel like, oh, no, if this were a male-dominated field, there would be a different approach to that. Like, when you're working through the season and you're discovering these pieces, like, is there a way to change it? I mean, you say the claps can't, but, like, is your, is your show... No, is your show trying to give people a solution or are you just trying to highlight it so that people know how they vote and what to do? I mean, I think it's a little of both. I think on, on the one hand, you do want to highlight these things. And, yeah, when you think about something like the teaching profession and how it is... Uh, a majority female profession, uh -huh. when we're having all of these conversations right now about gender dynamics and about, you know, equal pay and sexual harassment and all these things, we're talking about women's civil rights. It does raise a question for me, well, is the teaching profession, is, should that be part of that conversation right. about women's civil rights? And so some of it is trying to have those conversations and some of it is also looking at well, there are people who are on the ground who are trying to make change, and what does that change look like, and is that change replicable? Right. Is there something that somebody has done? You know, our first season, we looked at uh, policing, and we looked at things like restorative justice, yes. and looking at something like restorative justice and wondering, okay, it's working in Oakland. They've got the DA on board with it. They are working with it with law enforcement. Is that a model that could then expand to Los Angeles, could expand to Topeka, Kansas, could it expand? And is that how we can have different conversations about something like the criminal justice system or education by showing people that models do exist and now maybe you could take that model and build off of it. And you know, it's like this old house, like once you see somebody build a banister, you're like, oh, maybe I could do that. <laughs> and that's just... why I have Wyatt's and X Bannister store on Etsy. <laughs> Dude, congratulations on two amazing seasons. Here's to uh, a third, much. hopefully. Yes. Welcome back to the show. Why Tanak's Problem Areas as Fridays at 8 11 p.m. on HBO. Why Tanak, everybody. Thank you so much. The Daily Show with Trevor Noah, Ears Edition. Watch The Daily Show weeknights at 11, 10 Central on Comedy Central and the Comedy Central app. Watch full episodes and videos at thedailyshow.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And subscribe to The Daily Show on YouTube for exclusive content and more. This has been a Comedy Central podcast.